going to talk today about the fact that there is a river in that rock. Amen. There's a river in that rock. There's a river in that rock. It's taken, you know, from the book of Exodus and also from the book of Numbers. telling the story about a situation of lack for God's people. Whenever you know that you belong to God, that ends all discussion about what's yours, what belongs to you, whether you're going to be taken care of. Just the fact that you know you belong to God is enough. Whenever you know you belong to God, Any situation that is adverse to you is totally temporary. It will not last. And it isn't really worth considering, if you know what I mean. You have to consider the fact that God has made provision for his people since before time began. You know, our provision has always been in God. And God never changes. That's the one thing you have to to recognize about him. He is a consistent God. He's a holy God. So if you're holy, there's nothing wrong with you. So you really don't need to change. Everything about you is perfect. And so God is perfect in his ways. He's perfect in his thoughts. He's perfect in his understanding of what he has envisioned for us and what he's planned for us. There's nothing wrong with God. There's really nothing wrong with us. We just have to line up with God and get in his get his mind and get his understanding about things and trust him. We've got to trust him above all things. And so in Exodus chapter 17, if you want to turn there, in verse 1, it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses or they began to blame him and argue with him. Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why are you arguing with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water and they murmured against Moses and said, why is it that you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? So here we see a situation that's very common to all of us. I sure wish I'd never done. How many of us have had regrets? You've set out to do something great. and You set out to receive your promise from God. And along that pathway are natural things or unpleasant things of life. God didn't promise you magic. He promised you faith. Amen. If it were magic, we'd have everything right away and we wouldn't need God. But we do need God because his kingdom operates by faith. This world operates by faith. Everything about humanity and about God operates by faith. And so God in his desire to help the people and teach them how to use their faith. And that's all he's doing with any of us. He's not shortchanging us. He's not trying to uh, make us uncomfortable or uh, he, isn't, he isn't happy when we're displeased or but he knows that your provision is right there before you if you'll turn your focus on him and that's the whole thing everything about God is directed toward our good 
and we have we can only expect good from God when God is our focus when we get the focus wrong and we start to focus on things other than what God has told us what God has promised us and what he'll do for us then that's when we start to get discouraged disgruntled just like the children of Israel so now all of a sudden God has taken them out of Egypt which they weren't happy there either you ever notice sometimes people just are never happy no matter where they are Huh? If you give them a million dollars, they're not happy about that. Well, I was expecting a million and a half. Well, you got a million. That's a million more than you had yesterday. Huh? Never thankful, never grateful, never focused on God. One thing I can tell you, when you focus on God, you are full of thanksgiving. When you keep your mind stayed on him, you're full of life, joy, happiness, expectation for good. And God knows this about us. And that's why he He constantly reminds us of his goodness and his provision for us. And so here we see the children of Israel complaining, murmuring. You took us out of Egypt. They always blame whoever's in charge. Amen. So parents get used to it. Preachers get used to it. Uh, If you're a boss at a job, get used to it. Believers get used to it. I've had people that would come. uh, I remember uh, there was a young lady in a church where we first started out in ministry. And and, uh, she always seemed to be so... uh, you know always wanting something better and she was a real intelligent girl and she uh, worked really hard in her jobs and we were praying for a job for her and uh, she she got another job and and uh, the Lord told me to tell her that he would bring joy in this job it wouldn't be a chore it wouldn't be hard for her and so she was on the job two weeks and came up to me and told me that she wasn't happy with that job and why did I tell her that so I thought to myself, I said, you know what, God? <laughs> you know, they want to shoot the messenger. And I told her, I said, I said, maybe you should bring the happiness to the job. You know, maybe you should bring that to the job. And so, of course, she went and told a pastor on me. I was always getting in trouble, you know, with my big mouth telling them what God said. And I realized a lot of times people don't want to know what God says. Unless they really want to go to a, a psychic because they want to hear something good, something that will flatter them. They don't really want to hear from God. Because God won't give you anything to flatter you, not your flesh. He'll help you get to know him but you know people always want to shoot the messenger because they don't like the message they can get mad at people because they're afraid to say they're mad at God and that's really what the problem is amen so we need to just get down to brass tacks you mad because you think you deserve more than what you have you think you're special huh you think you all that and that's why we get upset and we get angry when we don't see what we think is God's best. <clears throat> Amen. Really, it's, it's greed. Because most of us, if God gave us full provision today, tomorrow we'd have nothing. And so God is wise. 
He wants our, us to be good stewards. We, he wants us to use his wisdom in how we manage our lives. And he wants us to be good stewards. And so that's why he, he is fair with everybody. He allows us to be blessed according to our measure of faith. Huh? According to your faith, be it unto you. Your faith is what brought what brought that into your life, and your faith is going to have to sustain it. And so God, and that puts everybody on an equal footing. With faith involved, that means that you can have exactly what you want, but but you have to use your faith to get it. I can have what I want, but I have to use my faith to get it. And it doesn't put God in a position where He's mean to anybody or over generous to anybody it all comes through because of our faith and you can see the children of Israel had none they didn't put their faith in God they continued to tempt God and, and chide Moses and poke at Moses and be mad at him and well you know I'm gonna I'm a go in my tent and I ain't coming out when Moses come I ain't gonna speak to him and I ain't gonna you know all this kind of stuff think they're getting even with somebody and that's what we do when things aren't going the way we want want them to go and so here the nation of Israel is out of water and they're thirsty verse 4 Moses did something that's very smart and what I think ministers need to do and people need to do you go to God in times of trouble he didn't try to keep come up with an answer for them he didn't try to pacify them or or tell them it was all going to work out and just see go a few more feet and see what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff he went to God and he asked the Lord what shall I do for this people they're almost ready to stone me and the Lord said to Moses go on before the people take with you the elders of Israel and your rod we always got to be packing folks amen your rod your Roscoe whatever it is that you (laughs) you know that's just what was in his hand you got me but but Moses had had some dealings with that rod remember it supernaturally uh, fought for him it supernaturally was able to produce for him and so that rod when he when it at the command of God that same rod that he used to help him walk and get around and fend off enemies turned into supernatural power at the command of God and so there is something that we can all harness for supernatural power and that's our faith amen you have a rod of faith with you at all times and that faith when you take that rod of faith out wherever you point it whatever you hit with it whatever you strike with it that faith will cause whatever God wants to happen to happen without fail amen without fail and so he says he says the same rod that you used to hit that river with and it parted he said take it in your hand and go he said behold I will stand before you there upon the rock in Horeb and you shall smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the name of that place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel because they tempted the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not now he should have called the name of the place miracle you know and just forget about the complaining 
and murmuring. You know what I'm saying? But as humans, we like to remind people sometimes. Amen. Of how stupid they were and how ignorant they were and all that kind of stuff. So you'll see that in the nation of Israel. You'll see see names representing trouble and you'll see names representing answers. I'd rather have names representing answers in my history as a testimony to the goodness of God. You notice when God gave them a name for something, he never told them to call it a negative name. You know, he always had a, a memorial to his blessing, his goodness, his promise, or something like that. And so we have to remember that whenever we are in a place where the provision is doubtful, or we're in a place where the outcome is not what we think it's going to be, there is something that we possess that we can release in that situation that will cause life, water, provision, uh, power to flow. Amen. So the rock really represents a part of the natural world that is against us. Amen. A rock always, rocks are immovable. So a rock in the desert was part of the normal landscape. Amen. It was part of their normal landscape. It represents the immovability of this natural realm if we don't have God's help. That rock represents obstacles in the way of our provision, obstacles in the way of our blessing. If God can take a rock and make water come out and make the rock provide for them, then God certainly can do anything else that needs to be done. And so God will take the hardest of the hard things in our lives and allow us to confront them and challenge them so that we can see that we serve a God of the impossible. See, he'll, he'll force us to confront really hard situations. He'll force us to come into contact with people who really seem immovable and powerful and they they're not on our side they're against us and so many many times that rock represents a situation in life that if it were not their life would be very pleasant for us but since it's there that rock has to be addressed because that rock is standing in the way of something really good and something very pleasant that God wants to bring in our lives So this rock was immovable. When God is involved, the rock will become a river that nourishes us and makes provision for us. So many times the same situation that was uh, daunting, that was seemed like it would never turn around, uh, that was put us between a rock and a hard place, so to speak, will wind up being a, a situation that will be a blessing to us and it will turn around and be nourishing and flourishing for us in our lives. But we've got to apply our faith. Our rod of faith has to be applied and it must be applied in God's direction. It's got to be done with the revelation of God. So also revelation will pour from a rock. Sometimes when situations are are too overwhelming for us they're too hard for us Uh, for instance when we look at the city of Detroit and we see all of the the uh, um, commerce that has left here all of the good jobs that have left all of the good uh, uh, factories and in that end of business that has kind of receded we wonder is there any hope for this where do you start what do you do how do you pray what do you what do you begin to do and many many people will begin to pray and because the rock doesn't move 
Amen. Because the rock doesn't fall. Because the rock doesn't uh, uh, react the way they want it to. Then they feel all is lost. And they want to quit. And they want to stop. But sometimes we need to go to God and find out, God, what was your plan for this situation what did you tell us was going to happen here and so once you know God's plan and God's will in a situation it's easy to stay encouraged and stay in faith one of the things that I know has been very very helpful for me over the years is to have a group of people who are willing to pray as well I can't tell you the help that the corporate, uh, the body of Christ that really prays and really is committed to pray, I can't tell you the help and the encouragement that being with that kind of body of people will bring you. Because we've seen people come and go in prayer over the years. We've seen it happen where people, everybody, when you hear something negative on the news, everybody wants to jump on it. You know, you'll see now you get on a website and you see all these people wanting to pray for the nation and pray for a turnaround and pray for this and pray for that. They got to have a special meeting. They got to go and alert a lot of, they got to have a lot of leaders. They got to have, they got to have all of this stuff when really all you need is a, a revelation from God, a plan from God and just call the people and ask God to gather the people around you so that you can do what God wants want you to do you don't you don't need 12 preachers in fact you know we have any preachers oh yeah we have a few preachers can we talk (laughs) but you know sometimes the more leaders you have the more time you waste because they all want to be recognized is you know they want it to be blessed to mic night you know where you is that what they call it where you pass the mic around to everybody and everybody say three words and you know the same prayer over and over again and you know God goes home because he's sleepy you know so you have to listen to God you know I'd rather have 12 doorkeepers who are faithful than to have 50 leaders who don't know how to pray than who don't pray well, who needs somebody to pray for them? <laughs> Just an aside. But but get a strategy from God. Because many times what pours out of that rock is revelation as well. You have a revelation now that you would not have had had you not had that rock, that obstacle before you. Huh? Many people's healing ministries have come out of either personal illness or family illness. I'm one of them. So if that rock of mental illness hadn't been blocking me from having a normal life, I never would have learned what it meant to trust God for healing or how to believe God for healing. See, I know for a fact that the spirit of suicide is not stronger than the Holy Spirit. But this has to be taught to people. You understand? This has to be put in people from day one. And I feel bad for these families who have lost their their children and, you know, pastors lost a kid to suicide. But I'll tell you one thing. I was suicidal every day for five years and never killed myself. And the Lord let me see it was what the old people used to say to keeping. Honey, he keeping me, keeping me. The keeping power of the Holy Spirit. God told me that's what that was. He is your keeper against every power of darkness. 
The most he works is, is when the darkness works through us. He's got to protect us from ourselves, folks. Some of you, you know, you, you snorted and smoked and all that kind of stuff before you got saved. Now you don't even think about it. But there was a time when you wondered if you might go back. But he kept you from going back to that stuff. Amen. He filled your life with goodness. He filled your life with power. So if you, that rock of, of, of addiction had not challenged you and you challenged it back with the word of God, you wouldn't have the confidence where now you can go and pray for somebody. And you're not worried about them committing suicide. I dare the devil to put his hand against them in that fashion. Because the Holy Spirit keeps them. Angels will go and guard over them. That's the best. That's, that's the best suicide prevention you could have is the ministry of angels in your life. And all of these revelations come from obstacles or rocks that were once in our way of the blessing of God. That once stood in your way of the good things of God. So there are rivers that will pour out of a rock. There's goodness and, and refreshing and nourishment that will pour out of a rock if we'll strike it with our faith and believe God to have his way there. That rock also represents the impossible. Things that are impossible with man are possible with God. Amen. They are possible with God. We can't create it or we or use it. The rock represents a barrier to your progress. It's just something that's in the way. But if we will quit talking about it and quit challenging it. I mean, start challenging it with the word. We'll see the supernatural power of God. You're going to have to have the supernatural to get that rock resolved, to get that rock issue resolved. Our reaction to the rock is very important. Many times people see problems and they, you know, you ever get embarrassed because you have a problem in your life? And then with with your, your soulish way of doing things you start minimizing the problem oh that's not that bad you know I found myself doing that a little bit with symptoms that I would have and I would think to myself I said "Eh, well you know I'll hit it with the word a little bit or I find myself not really attacking it and challenging it challenging its authority to remain in my life you know sometimes you can get a little slack on it well you know it ain't that bad or that kind of thing and it is that bad if it came from the devil it is that bad because if you give the devil an inch he'll take two inches then he'll take four inches and then he'll take more and so we have to learn that all rocks have to be confronted anything that is standing in the way of the goodness of God in your life must be confronted there's nothing you can do with it but strike it attack it speak to it and make sure it doesn't remain in your situation it has to be removed People who settled this country when they were moving, uh, they ran out of space in the east so they had to go west you know and they run into mountains well they would say well maybe we can uh, go around the mountain or whether maybe we could do this to the mountain and that to the mountain and then one day somebody uh, invented dynamite and they thought let's blow up this mountain amen we'll take the shortcut blow it up and get it out of the way and make little small boulders out of it and we can use the smaller boulders for building 
And so that's how you resolve mountain issues. You confront them. You say, we're not going to go around them. Many times people worship mountains. We've seen that. We have we have Mount Rushmore. I guess they say, well, let's carve some faces in it and get people to look at it and say how wonderful it is. Amen? And so we can worship mountains. Oh, my arthritis. Oh, my cancer. Now we we didn't dress breast cancer up with pink ribbons and... Where my grown? Where my grown ups at? Huh? They're treating it too nice. They're treating it too nice. Huh? Now we got a sisterhood around. You know, I'm a breast cancer survivor, and you know, and, and we don't see the competition there for the dollars that's going on in the research i mean if you're if you're a person who really believes in research and believes in helping people you see a competition for the dollar out there for the research money because here you've got children st jude's has been there for what more than 60 years and they're they're fighting cancer. They don't charge anybody. All the kids that you know and make the provision for the families and everything. And Ronald McDonald houses came up for the same reason. You got these children with all this life in front of them, ahead of them. Now they got to compete with all the pink stuff. You got me? And it's wrong. It's not right. There's there's something perverted about that. Huh? I don't care. Wear your pink thing. I don't care what you do. But but let's speak to this mountain of cancer, folks. Let's let's not worship it. Let's not make it you know a, a rallying point for all the women that you know whatever you know they need to go to church. Most of them. What happened to the praying women that God would bring forth? I pray for their children and pray for their families. Huh? <coughs> You get on your knees one good time, you won't have a lot of this nonsense that people have. You know? The more money they throw on it, the more it increases. So when you worship a rock and throw money on it, it gets, just gets bigger. Huh? It just gets bigger. Huh? So this rock is an obstacle from which nourishment and power can pour. If you allow it, if you approach it the right way, if you if you attack it in God, what you need to to get that solution will come right out of that rock, right out of that hard place and right out of that trouble. Only God can conquer the rock. Mm -hmm. That rock also represents Jesus, and we know that. He is the rock of the ages. He is the immovable one. So what you're doing, actually, is you're taking a temporary rock and replacing it with a permanent one. When revelation comes into your life, it's permanent. It's there for you to use whenever you need to use it. The revelation that God gave me on divine health and healing has has helped me to encourage other people to believe for their healing. It's helped me to pray for the sick. I developed ministry. God helped me develop ministry out of that revelation that he would come through for me as my healer. Amen. <clears throat> 
I've also had to face that sometimes your healing will have to take time. But you don't lose heart. How long can you hold on to God even in the midst of pain or difficulty or discomfort? Embarrassment? Huh? I had to do a healing school with a cane. But I did it anyway. Amen. Because I knew God was bigger than my temporary situation. I didn't try to make excuses for it. I announced to people that Cain was leaving. It was not going to be a permanent part of my life. And it's gone. Amen. And I don't hide it in my car and pull it out when the saints ain't around me. It's gone. Amen. Because I refuse to settle for anything less than what God's provided for me. I want his provision. I don't want what I think is okay, and I don't want what people think is okay. I want, you know, you come in and there'll be 15 people. Oh, what's wrong with you? Can I help you? You don't help me when I'm, I got to go looking for you when I need somebody to help me with something for real. Where was you at? Now I got a cane. You all want to be all nice to me and everything. Trying to keep me. I see you, devil. Old Fred Sanford, your old fish-eyed, what did she call it, Aunt Esther? <laughs> what did she call it? Your old fish-eyed fool, I see you some Fred Sanford. Huh? Right. You see them old devils sidling up. Going to make you sick, make you... And they say, I don't know what kind of healing ministry she got. Look at her. Yeah, don't help me with that. We, we going to move on in God. Amen. I have a Holy Ghost anointed one. (laughs) But God can conquer any rock in your life because he is the rock. He's the immovable rock. He created everything. The Bible says he created the waster to destroy. But he won't let him destroy you. He didn't create him to destroy you. You know, people get nervous when you say stuff like that. God created everything. He created the devil, and he knew what he was going to do to us. Huh? And what he still wants to do to us. But he still will overcome, has a good plan. He can work it out to your good. Huh? The Bible says that that many... uh, uh, devices will be formed they'll be formed against you but not by me I don't form stuff against my people I form help for my people he created the waster to destroy stuff that needs to be destroyed huh you know there is stuff that needs to be destroyed on this earth it's not doing any good it's standing in the way of good So the rock represents Jesus and he's the foundation of all things. And he can conquer any rock. When you contact God, the river of life pours out of the hard places. The minute you start talking to God about it, life begins to show up. And life begins to flow towards you. God begins to give you understanding, begins to give you hope and encouragement, a vision, a strategy that wants that he wants to work out for your good. Amen. You know our problem sometimes is we don't know what good is. Huh? You gotta read you gotta revamp your definition of good. Huh? See we think good is is uh uh 
you know, a big paycheck, easy money, sit around all day and watch the TV and don't do nothing. That you know, good in God comes. He put us here to work, huh? That's in the first book of the Bible. He put man here to work, huh? And and women here to to work him. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, it's an old joke. You can laugh. <laughs> they was married. They was married. <laughs> Bless me, brother. Thank you. <laughs> if y'all wouldn't go to sleep and look funny at me, I wouldn't have to do all of this. All right. But we really do have to redefine good. Good is what the outcome is, not the process. Huh? You have mercy through the process, folks, and grace to overcome everything. So good really is talking about the outcome. Huh? He says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, that there would be good at your latter end. Huh? Goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Amen. And they catch up to you from time to time. But you're going to have difficulty in this world. Everybody does. This is a sinful world we live in and it is against God's people. So we are going to have to understand this, embrace it, accept it, and overcome it. Amen. He has overcome the world. So God causes a river of life to pour out of the hard, immovable places in our lives. Sometimes you'll have a boss that was mean to you and you glad they gone, glad you did, you rascal you. And the second boss is twice as bad. (laughs) You think I prayed for this? Well, sometimes there's something wrong with you, with your definition of good. Huh? Let me tell you something. Your boss is there to to guide you and help you, give you direction, to supervise and manage you. Does any of that sound real good to you? So why are you expecting them to like you? Huh? Well, they didn't smile at me when I came in. And they they, they docked me because I was late. Well, come to work on time. Huh? Huh? We want to be able to get away with murder and still call ourselves holy. Huh? Look for the same thing. You know, I, I can remember talking to people that, that uh, would would run stop signs. Because, well, I have angels. I said, no, you don't. you talking about a fallen angel when you talk about it. He will take you right on to the morgue. You keep that up. Huh? You obey the law. We're the first ones to obey the law. Huh? You don't get any special, you know, you don't have to do your job because you're a Christian kind of. That's not what God's talking about, folks. Huh? We always want an easy life. We don't want to pay the price. We don't want to. And see, God is trying to get that out of us. You know, and change that thief mentality. You know, and say, you know, stand up on your own two feet and be an example and do a good job. Huh? You know, people, whether you know, your seed will always tell on you. <laughs> we all produce after our own kind. 
You see your kids doing something wrong. They didn't get that from the first thing a defensive parent. They didn't get that from, I didn't teach them that. They got it from somewhere. Huh? They didn't get nothing from you? Come on now. Huh? <laughs> but we got to live an example. You know, for for God's glory, for our children, our descendants, what they see you do, they will do as well. And and the the uh, worse the habit, the easier they pick it up. Huh? So you got to work twice as hard to set a good example. So our definition of good has to be changed, folks. We have to understand goodness as far as God's perspective is concerned. When he looks at the, us and calls us good, he looks at us as obedient, respectful, worshiping him, uh, acknowledging him in everything, and doing good down here on the earth, making ourselves available to do good for other people. In spite of the way they treat us. Look at how they treated Moses. But Moses still had to intercede for the people. He still had to provide water for the people. He still had to make full provision for people who at times didn't treat him with respect and didn't treat him with love. You have to love them anyway. And so when God is involved, his our definition of good is amped up quite a bit. We begin to understand you might have to walk with God a few months before you'll see even some encouragement that this answer to prayer is on its way. And so when we see those kinds of things happening that, that it seems like it takes a long time or it seems like God isn't doing what he said he would do so quickly, just remind yourself that he's bringing more goodness out of you. Sometimes you need to wait for things because you need a, a patience developed in you, a certain level of discipline in, in your life. And, and God will bring miracles in the small amount that you have while you're waiting on the biggie. Amen? He'll teach us not to squander our resources and not to waste our provision. When he provided that water for the nation of Israel, they got right to the point where they were beginning to get thirsty. They weren't dying of thirst because they were still walking, talking. The cattle were still alive. God's provision was there all along. But he wants us to come to him in humility and in worship and in faith and in trust he he did not appreciate them complaining demanding uh being angry all the time and and having an attitude at him or his servant because of what they lacked in their lives so we have to look at what we possess what do i have that god could use to turn it into a blessing in my life you're the you're always the source of your own blessing Always. There's something in you that you can release in the realm of the spirit that lets God know that he can send that blessing to you and lets him know that you are trusting him for that and for that outcome. So it takes power to break through the powers that are holding everything that we love and we desire away from us. It takes power to break through the powers that are holding this city. 
It takes power to do that. And God knows what power is needed. He knows who to release it to. He knows whom to release revelation. He knows who he can trust. And he knows who to raise up and send to do the accomplishments that need to be done here. And so we want to see the rock and the hard place that's covering this city, keeping its people from being prosperous both spiritually and uh, materially. And I think that's the whole key. See, m- my thought is if we get a spiritual uh, breakthrough for this city, then the rest of it will fall into place. But if the churches don't start to turn around and do the will of God, if they don't start to turn around and and go out and meet the needs of people, go out and help people, go out and do what God wants us, us as a church to do with people, there will not be any new factories, any new blessings along that line to come. And so we have to put first things first, get God's people back to worship, break this hard shell of religion that's over this city and over many of the churches and many of the people, uh, break this uh, uh, the shallowness that's in uh, the hearts of people. Uh, we want a blessing and then run off. We want what we want and then go run off somewhere. We don't want to stay in a place of worship. We don't want God's presence to be our normal habitation and dwelling place. We want to come and go. We want everything real fast. And so we have to realize that God demands more from his people. If we're going to break through, we've got to give God time. We've got to give him respect. We've got to give him love and obedience. All of those things have to fall in line. We can't be looking to be the next hot item on television or on the radio or or we're going to take this place by storm or we're going to be so great and so big you know we'll be bigger than God one day you know what I'm saying that people have that kind of vision in their minds but if we can keep it on the level God what can we do as a church to reach people for Jesus Christ what can we do to help people who are are homeless to, to not feel so fearful what can we do to feed the hungry what can we do to reach people the way you would reach them then I think everything would turn around because we'd have everything in its proper place you got me for years we've been taught that we could have the blessings of God without relationship Huh? you just decide what you want make a list start confessing and you're on your way oh yeah and that's right you got to pay the man of God who brought you that revelation so we got a lot of fat preachers and real skinny sheep running around out here because they got theirs but you never got yours because you thought that you could just rob God and take from him like he was Santa Claus Amen. Huh? He's not Santa Claus, he's God. Mm-hmm. So the first obstacle we need to break through sometimes is us. And our too simple way of, of wanting things from God. You know, you've you got to pay a price for things. I know that's not, that's not fashionable to say these days. But everything, Jesus paid a price for our little stinking selves. Uh, when we thought we was all that and ran the streets and slept with everybody and took every drug we could some people still do in the church huh it's the truth you know those days are over that's what caused the rock to get bigger on us 
You know, the people who want to pray and want to see the kingdom advance, they make it hard for us. Huh? Talking all their nonsense. You know, you got adulterers with TV programs and we're supposed to think they're, they're supposed to be our pastors. Well, I don't think so. I do not think so. We got to cast this stuff down, man. And you know, where is the world going to, where are people in the world go when they're in trouble? There's no place to go. But God, amen. Because we're going to move this rock out of the way. This immovable rock of fame and popularity and being so big and all this kind of stuff. Those rocks need to come out of the way, folks, so that we can get a breakthrough for everyday people. You know, there are people who are scared to go to church. Huh? They're staying home because they're scared. Huh? They don't know what to expect when they get there. They don't know what a, a normal church is supposed to look like. If you show an interest in them and you want to pray for them, they're scared of you. Because they're used to going in places where nobody knows they're there. They can be anonymous. They can come and go freely the way they want to. And so these things are standing in the way of God's contact with people. God wants to know you personally. He wants you to spend time with him so he can let you know how important and how valuable you are. That's where the value comes in us as human beings, in spending time with God. You spend time in his word, you get to understand he's really talking to you about things. You know, we've taken faith teaching way beyond where it it started. You know, Brother Hagen named his school Rhema because it was a word spoken personally to your heart from God. He talked to you through the reading of the word, through your worship. It was a word spoken to you for you. And then people have taken it and told you just make a list and claim something and keep confessing and pay me your tithe and you'll be fine. And we see it's robbed people. It's robbed them of their dignity, of their identity with God, of their worth. When God spends time with you, you feel better. You feel more worthwhile. So this rock of of getting things at a distance, you know, this kind of sterile prosperity, you know, that's no good. You know, it's making God almost like a bank where you just go and withdraw what you need because you've confessed long enough and hard enough. And that's supposed to be faith. So when we strike the rock or we speak to the rock, whatever God demands, one time he told Moses to strike the rock, the second time he told him to speak to the rock. He hit it anyway. (laughs) But God still provided for the people. Amen. You know, some of our little religious activities we do still have a bit of provision left in them. But God has something better for us, folks. He has something better. And that better is getting a direct line of revelation, life, and power from him. Water also represents power. Uh-huh. People were afraid of it. It was a, you know, if there is a river, it flows in a in a, a way that's unpredictable. But in the 20th century, people began to understand how to get electricity out of flowing water, and so they built dams and they were able to harness power that was already resident in the water. They didn't do anything else. Or the power was already there. See, it's taken us this long to realize that there's power in water. 
when God's always had it in the Bible. Amen? There's power. Water represents the power of the Holy Spirit. There's always been power in water. But it just took man, how many? Thousands of years to figure out how to get it out of there. And so God will bring anything that we need out of these hard places, folks. Water represents abundance. A continual flow because water always has a source. If it came out of that rock, there's a source somewhere that's got more water and more abundance. If we can keep the source open, we can have as much as we need all the time to meet every single need that there is. There's no reason for our economy to be the way it is. There's no reason for jobs to be scarce because there is abundance everywhere. Everywhere you see a barrier, there's potential for abundance if we will attack that barrier and make it bring forth what God has for us. Amen? So we're in a good place today, folks. We're in a good place. We're in a place where we can confront these obstacles that stand in our way. You know, uh, uh, the political obstacles eventually wind up in jail. Did you know that? Huh? They do. They all go to jail eventually. Because so, people can't help but tell on each other. Huh? Any political obstacle, you can just command it to go to jail in the name of Jesus. Say, God, get that thing out of there. They're stealing money from us. There's hiding provision. They're keeping us from, from voting the way we need to vote and have the freedom to vote and all that kind of stuff. They're trying to intimidate us in the workplace. All these political powers we want to shackled and we want them thrown in jail in Jesus name and then the water will flow the provision will flow the revelation will flow when it stops up you throw some more people in jail in Jesus name Lord get them out of here they're not doing what we elected them to do they're not doing the right thing so let's get them out of office and throw them in jail in Jesus name amen they're all crooks <laughs> intimidators there's so many uh, places in government where different groups of people have paid our politicians, our elected politicians, have paid them to vote in their favor on certain things. So they all need to be put in jail, folks. So let's start confronting these rocks, these obstacles, and command provision flow out of them. I command provision flow out of Washington, D.C. I command provision flow out of the city government of Detroit. I command provision flow to all people according to God's word. And we thank you father in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 there's water in that rock let's talk to it command it to move speak to it blow it up make little pebbles out of it and use that to build so that we can go forth and do everything god's called us to do amen praise god praise god if anybody needs prayer come on up i'll pray for you